Hey, you are listening to the Fanboy Strike Back Weekly Review Podcast, episode 38. Weekly Review Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm David. We are the fanboys who strike back. Each week we uh, pick a sorted number of books, uh, read through them, pick which one we thought was the best book of the week, and then we go to our website, we write a review, and we come to the podcast and we talk about it, along with uh, a select number of other books that came out this week. We do go into substantial detail on plot points, so if you're not looking for spoilers, I'd pause the podcast if I were you. Come back later. Um, but please come back, and for those who want to be spoiled, you've come to the right place. So, with that, David had the book of the week this week, and uh, we just keep rolling right along with The Secret Invasion. Yeah, you know, there's two big books that came out this week, and two very big reveals at the end, but I had to go with um, New Avengers number 40 as the book of the week. Uh, as soon as I saw that Bendis, of course, would be writing this, and that Jim Chung was going to be doing the pencils, I automatically got excited, because that's going to take me back to the Illuminati, and you know what's going on. And I, I never give previews, I never really read ahead, so I have no idea what's going to happen in Mighty Avengers or New Avengers. And I was, I was shocked and surprised to see that basically in this issue, it's, it's all the Scrolls' point of view. And we're going back to the very first issue of the Illuminati when um, the Illuminati, the heroes, are taken and the Skrulls start doing experiments with them. And you basically find out that the Skrull King is getting... They're getting their DNA and all their stuff to to do what they're doing now, to infiltrate them. Um, there's kind of a power struggle between the, the King of the Skrulls and... It looked like she was maybe a princess at a time, and this scroll princess is talking about the prophecy of, of how the scroll homeworlds are going to be destroyed, and that they're that it's written that they are promised this other world, and she's kind of exiled for her beliefs, and we as we know, she, she kind of ends up being correct because Galactus does end up destroying the scroll homeworlds, and this all comes to fruition. So, so this wait, all she, brings us... Is she that? a new character? Because I, I just assume, because I didn't know anything about this. Is she, is she a new character? I I would assume... I think so. I, there's been a couple of scroll princesses before. Um, Captain Marvel was dating a scroll princess, and they had a baby who ended up being Hulkling from the Young Avengers. But I'm pretty sure that woman died. Um, Johnny Storm dated a scroll woman for a while called Lija, and I'm sure she died too. So as far as I know, this is a new character. Um, so after Galactus uh, destroys the scroll homeworlds, you basically see that the scrolls search her out, and they say, you were right, we were wrong, we shouldn't have followed the king, we should have followed you, what should we do? So she comes back in, and at this point, she she finally realizes like what the scrolls have been doing, how they have the DNA of these heroes, and the head scroll scientist is just like, "This is what we're gonna do. 
we have this new technology, we've been working on this for years, we can infiltrate the humans, we can, we can be in human form, they're not going to know who we are, what we can do. Um, she demos one of the new Super Scrolls for, him, or for her, and that ends up being the Super Scroll who took over um, Black Bolt and the Illuminati. And so this is all, this is all, like, I'm, I'm so happy with all of this, because there's so much information and blah, 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 and I'm not, I'm not looking for a big reveal. And then at the very end, the Scroll Queen's like, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this right, and I'm going to lead the attack. So I need a persona, and I'm going to Earth. And everyone's like, no, no, you need to stay here. And she's like, no, we're going to do this, I'm going to do this right. So the scientist asks her, he's like, you know, who would you like to be? And her response is, well, who's a person who is liable to do the most damage? And then you turn, and the very last page is a picture of Jessica Drew. Which seems weird, because I would not have guessed that to be the choice of the person who did the most damage. No, I mean, unless... Again, we don't know exactly when this was going on, and... At the point that Jessica Drew is right now, she is one of the people who can do the most damage because she's on. She has ties to both Avengers teams, and she has ties to Nick Fury. Yeah, but one would guess so, that this was before Civil War. This, this right, this was back in like Avengers disassembled. Well, you don't know exactly when this happened, though. And I yeah. guess that's the thing. Unless I, I don't know. I mean, the, the scrolls are kind of talking about how. And it's kind of like a commentary on comics or whatever. The scrolls are kind of talking about, like, dead heroes come back, and no one really questions it. And they're like, so we have all these choices that we can choose from, from these presumably dead uh, heroes. I like and the there's a, that, because it's, yeah. and it's such a glaring, like, plot device, too, and it's just like, at least someone's acknowledging it. Like, it's absurd that all these heroes are coming back to life, and, like, there's a situation that can be taken advantage of there. And yeah, so we there's a little bubble where you, they're showing some of the candidates that she can choose from, and Bucky's in there, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Namor, Vision, uh, Scott Summers, Cyclops is in there, Sue Storm, Xavier, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye. So I like okay. I ended up. I, I wrote in my review on fanboystrikeback.com about like how much I love this book, and, and it's hard to pick a book of the week, and it was hard to pick this because Eric just picked Mighty Avengers last week. But there, to me, there was no choice, and and I made a very big statement at the end of my review that I think if Secret Invasion keeps going the way it's going, if it finished finishes strong. I believe that Bendis will have told the best comic book story ever. And the reason, I, the, the reason why I say that, and it, I think he'll be t have told the most, the best modern comic book story. Because the thing about comic books more than anything else is that it's there. It's a medium where these characters, there's no end ever. It's just about new writers coming along and trying to change something. So the fact that Bendis has had this planned out all this time, and now we're just starting to see things that basically change the way the past couple of years have been. It's amazing. And, like, I can only think of one other time where I felt like this, and that was when Infinite Crisis number three came out. And in that one issue, 
it was like three years of reading DC had all like come to a head. And that's such um, it's such a huge payoff for fans and for people who are buying all these titles. And obviously that's not going to ring true to everyone, but for me personally, like I've been reading New Avengers, Mighty Avengers, Secret War. I've been reading these things all from the beginning. So like I've been tracking this whole story. So to see all these things that I've missed and that were right there in front of me, it's it's an amazing experience that I could never have anywhere else. Right, well, it's, you know, Book of the Week is the book that you have, you know, you enjoy the most out of those those weeks. So, you, you know, pick whatever you want. Um, the art in this is just beautiful. Jim Chung, yeah. I, I, you know, I wish, I wish they would do it in it, uh, Illuminati book all the time, and I understand, you know, just why you can't, but, like, God, I love that miniseries so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, you know, there's some backlash against this book because the, the actual New Avengers don't really appear in it. Well, right. you know, to, for, for what it is, the scroll point of view had to be explained at some point, and it'd be harder to take a whole issue of Secret Invasion to do that. And, right. the, the, you know, we, we all know that the Avengers books are going to be closely tied in with that storyline, and they're going to be consumed by it, so it, it had to happen at some point. And you know, for a lot, a lot of people kind of said, "Well, it might be a little boring," or you know, they were they're upset because their characters didn't appear. And well, it had to happen. You can kind of take it or leave it as it is. But I thought it was really good. It it did give us a very big reveal. Finally, like this was a reveal like that actually felt like it meant something. Like since well, Black yeah, Black. because I mean, this is but, like uh, no, it was good. The Queen Scroll is on Earth. Earth. It was good. Oh, well, we'll get to your presumed pick in a second. But it's huge, because basically you find out that the person heading in this assault is on Earth, and she's doing all the damage, because Jessica Drew is in league with the Mighty Avengers, the New Avengers, and Nick Fury. And this it's great, because it's coming off the big reveal last week that Nick Fury knows what's going on, and Jessica Drew is the only person he, he trusts, and we're like, oh, okay, we know what's going on now. And then this week, we're like, no, we don't, we don't know what's going on, never mind. Yeah, no, it's great that they're really organizing their timing right with these. Yeah, because, publishing like, did a good job with that editorial. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's something I actually noticed. I was like, that was that was well done. Um, so if you had to have picked a, a book of the week, Eric, what would you have picked? Well, there's there, there's a couple of big ones. I really enjoyed the initiative. Really, I thought it was. I was pretty let down by it. Um. I don't know. It was an epilogue issue, and there was there was things I didn't like about it because it felt like oh, there was a lot of damage done in the last couple issues that felt like it was just all of a sudden really wrapped up and taken care of in this issue. But uh, what I really did was that they were pulling the initiative people, like the head people, on trial, and they were mm-hmm. like, "Okay, you know, it's not a zero accountability issue. Someone has to be held responsible." But at the same time, that uh, that director, and I can't think of what the hell his name is. Yeah, he, you know, he gets up there and he's like, "I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't recall." He, I don't recall, I mean, yeah. he's such a he's such a slimy bastard, and I loved it because I laughed every time he got up there and he's just like, eh. "Like he's <laughs> not gonna he's not gonna play along," and everyone's just getting pissed. And if you look at like War Machine next to him, he's just like, "Oh God!" And he's like got his <laughs> head in his hands, and like it's just gonna be a complete disaster. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and then there was a showdown between him and Tony about who was gonna have who fired, and the next clip was him. Gear up on the podium saying, after much thought, I've decided to quit and spend more time with my family. You don't have a family. It's like, I really hate that. <laughs> so, I mean, 
the the only other part about it was, um, like I said, it seemed like a lot of the damage was just quickly reverted because like trauma all of a sudden came back to life. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. And I but didn't... it was cool to see the cadets actually graduate. It's like this initiative is actually going somewhere. Yeah, no, it felt it felt full circle, and that's what I really enjoyed about it. Was besides that part about all the damage being wrapped up, it was nice to see everyone. You know, they they graduated. They're they're full time superheroes now. They got their actual costumes and they got deployed. So it felt very much like a military thing where they they all got sent off to different parts, and then uh, we see Cloud Nine leading a, a new group in in uh, Billings, Montana and how, you know, people were kind of cheering her on and stuff like that and someone says, you know, this isn't fun for her, this is her job and she, I think she was the actual first character that we were introduced to in the initiative. So it was, yeah, it sure. was really a, a full circle completion of her storyline and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Plus yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, artwork was, the artwork was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. You're right. On a second glance, it was pretty. It was pretty fulfilling. It just felt like, like you said, all of a sudden, all this crap happened and went down, and then I was like, oh, and trauma's back to life, and there's a graduation, and there's a trial. Well, but it was that, a... that stuff that had to be dealt with. Yeah, it, it was an epilogue, and that's and that's fine. the The only aspect of it is, and I'm, I just, I, I'm so tired of people coming back from the dead, like. Just, just leave it alone. It, I think it would have resonated a lot more if Trauma had stayed dead. And I like Trauma. You know, it was, it was uh-huh. too bad that he got killed. But I think it would have resonated and made the issue a lot deeper if, if he had just stayed dead. Because there's no there's no gravity to death in comics anymore. Like, if someone dies, they're like, they'll be back. It's just, not, well, it, it's just it needs to stop. It really needs to stop. So... Speaking of that... No gravity and death. Is there any chance you want, might want to talk about DC Universe number zero? I do, and I'm going to sound like a hypocrite. Um, <laughs> because, okay, the big thing, this was in the news. I, I hope I'm not spoiling it for anybody, but this book is being narrated from a unknown source. And what it does is it goes back and talks about kind of the history of the DC Universe, the Justice League, the, the crises, and what happens in each of them. Uh, we get kind of snippets of basically kind of like comic trailers for all the big storylines that are going to happen, like Batman Rest in Peace, uh, Green Lantern, Blackest Night, uh, Show No Mercy, Final Crisis Revelations, and they're all really interesting, and they're all done in different art styles, and we see someone is gradually like, their being is floating through the universe, and they're gradually reforming, and what's happening is all the narration boxes start off with a black background and, and yellow letters. And then gradually throughout the story, the black background becomes more and more red until at the very end, a, a faint lightning bolt appears on the dialogue box and the, the, the cutout is... Um, or, or you zoom out and you're in front of a, a CD strip club in a city with a red sky and a big white full moon and a lightning bolt flashes across the moon and, of course, it's the Flash. And it's Barry Allen. So what it looks like... And, and, and right after this came out, Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison went to the media and said, yeah, we're, we're bringing Barry back. Right. So at first glance, I was like, all right. It, much like my malaise I was just talking about, that I'm just tired of people coming back from the dead. And Barry Allen, I think more than anybody else in comics, is the sacred cow that does not come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's weird because, you know, Five years ago, the the rule was true that there's three people in comics that you don't ever bring back, and 
oddly enough, Barry wasn't on that list, but it was Uncle Ben, Bucky, and Jason Todd. All of them have come back in one form or another within the last five years. Now, Barry Allen was another kind of one that just you don't touch. He he showed up because Flashes are time travelers. He shows up once in a while to kind of offer advice and help out, but he was never, you know, he was he was dead, and that's kind of where they left him. And so this is, they're bringing him back, and I understand that, uh, you know, every crisis is kind of a Flash story. Something big happens with the Flashes. And there's only so many options you can do. You can't, I mean, Wally, they, they killed him off in the last crisis, and he came back, and they haven't had anything for his character to really do since then, which we addressed last week. Um, Bart is gone. They can't really kill Jake Eric. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have the gravity to it. But also, much like I was just saying, death doesn't have any any meaning anymore. Well, the the resurrection doesn't have any meaning because we 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 see it coming. But also, death has just kind of lost its its place. So it's like, why why just kill off another main character? Because you know, you just feel like it's, they're going to be back. Like, if, if someone killed off... I, I've been worried about Kyle Rayner for years, and if someone killed him off, I'd be like, he'll be back. You know, hell, Jason Todd came back. And so, I kind of half expected this, but then at the same time, Barry had a very good part in the story, New Frontier, which was also a Hal Jordan story. And Hal Jordan, years ago, was dead... He was dead for years, and we kind of set our piece on on Hal Jordan, and Kyle had taken up the the mantle. Well, we found out there was plans to bring Hal back, and we all, I I know I groaned. I know a lot of people were very excited because they like Hal better, but I groaned, and I think David groaned too. But at the same time, his resurrection was a very good story, and while he was kind of in limbo for about a year, the things that Jeff Jones did with bringing the hell back and bringing the core back and not single, not pushing out any of the other Green Lanterns, but really making it a cohesive universe with all the, with all the Green Lanterns and them all having separate roles, but also on a team. And so, you know, without Hal being back, we wouldn't have had the Sinestro Core War or, or great things like that. And so if Jeff Jones can do the same for Barry Allen, I'm not going to... You know, I'll, I'll give him well, his but John's chance. isn't writing The Flash. He will, so, be. So, he will be. He's going to be... Well, he's going to be co-writing for some of it well, later in the year. Yeah, but... That's still, all I said. Well, that's still... I, I, I know as a... You know he's orchestrating it. I don't know that. I, I was. I would assume that DC's orchestrating it. That's what I would... My assumption. I, I agree with you. Like, I could be the first one to admit when I'm wrong... And I'll be the first one to say I hated the idea of Hal being back, and now I think it's great. I, I, I'm not coming along with the whole Barry coming back thing. That there's just I, I don't, I have no doubt that good stories could come from it, but I just think Barry is a character who's better off dead. I think, unlike Hal, I think Barry means more being dead and. I just can't see Barry Allen having a place in the current DC universe. Well, that's the thing. He seems like such a Silver Age character to me. He's a very old-fashioned... Barry was always an old-fashioned kind of guy. And so, like, if they brought him back now, is he going to be kind of like a man out of time because he's been gone for so long? Uh, You know, how how weird is it going to be for him to adjust? Um, it, It would just be... 
it would just be kind of odd because I don't see Barry Allen as a as a, you know kind of a, a modern day type of guy, and I'm sure they'll put some kind of spin on it like they have with everybody else, but. You know, it'll, it'll just be interesting. I, I'm not groaning and I'm not throwing up my arms saying, I can't believe they're doing this. Um, I'm just going to be like, okay, we'll, we'll see where this goes. I'm not I'm not thrilled about it, really. More than anything, I'm just kind of indifferent about it because I'm just irritated about the the constant number of deaths and resurrections. I'm, I'm just sick of it. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm when just... When it comes to this book, um, I didn't really like most of it. Like, right off the, a couple of nitpicks off the bat is that this book was supposed to tie together Countdown and uh, Final Crisis. This had nothing to do with Countdown. Um, the other thing I didn't like about this book is that this book is 50 cents and it's supposed to be, like, for people to, like, jump on and figure out what's going on. If anyone had read this book trying to figure out what's going on, like, it would kill them. Like, this is, it's so confusing and this is, like, getting into the stuff that I used to hate about DC years ago. Um, I think I was surprised because I think the Wonder Woman storyline coming up actually looks really good. Yeah, it does. Um, I didn't like the Batman stuff at all. I was freaking out about the Green Lantern stuff with no surprise because it looks absolutely great. Yeah, it does. Um, the Superman and the Legion stuff, that looks really confusing. And then I was really surprised that... The rogues didn't kill this. What's his name? The guy who started preaching to him. Oh, uh, Libra. Yeah, I thought. I did, I just didn't believe that. I don't know. I was. Whatever. Yeah, it seems like the rogues would be kind of like. Here's this guy. It's like he's getting into like a, a sermon. Like, do I hear a hallelujah? Right. And you know, it, I want a reaction shot of the rogues like looking at each other. Like, <laughs> is this guy? You know, it, it seems like it was a little over the top. Um, I agree, this was not really a good jumping on point for people, in, you know, who want to... I mean, I guess if, you, if you're if you jumping in and you have the time and the money to go out and start really exploring all corners of the DC Universe, then, then this is fine. This is something that'll get you excited to go out and explore all those different corners, but this is not something to jump in and then you'll be caught up with everything in the DC, which I don't think there's anything out there that you can buy and jump into and be caught up with everything it, it, and that goes for DC or Marvel so, okay, so I have a couple, of, that way, I have a couple of questions for you Okay. number one, what do you think because we've had all these promo shots of villains the newest promo shot that we had is of Hush what do you yeah. think about that? I was very excited actually because okay. I, I, love, I love the Hush storyline I think he's a great villain that no one's really had anything to do with him for a while so the Return of Hush is, is very much something that I'm looking forward to. Okay. My second question is, I want to know what you thought about um, this Batman story. It was odd, but at the same time, I, I don't know. The Joker didn't seem like the Joker in it. And See, I thought it, it didn't, Bruce didn't seem like Bruce. Well, there was that. There was, <laughs> there was the cheesy line that, oh, well, you know, Tell him to bring it on, and, you know, if I was afraid, I wouldn't be Batman. I, I thought the writing was a little over the top. Uh, and did Grant Morrison, I, well, I assume that Grant and Morrison I'm assuming that Grant part. wrote that part, because Grant's been, this is the story that's been building up in the Batman books, is that there's someone out there who's who's targeting Batman, and that supposedly he has no chance of standing up against. Who we're assuming is going to be the one who, who takes him down. 
Um, and so, what do there was, you? Th- there was I a mean... line in here about like something this this pattern you've been playing, this game you've been playing since you came back from the dead. I, I I'm curious as to what he's referencing there, like if he's talking about like lately when he got shot in the face and was brought back in the Morrison books, or or if he's talking about like when Dick Grayson killed him, because that was a long time ago. So I thought that was a weird kind of throwaway line. I just kind of thought it was weird. Like, it seemed like the Batman... Batman wouldn't really take the Joker that seriously. It was like almost like he was asking for help. And it didn't really seem like... I don't know. It's not, he's gonna, it's not gonna trust a Joker. He's crazy. He's gone, he's in, gonna, uh, he's gone in to kind of interrogate him before. But at the same time... I don't think he's looking for any kind of black and white answers. But... I, I don't know. I thought it was it was... Place there just just for the benefit of making a trailer out of it. Right, like, right, it's not right. something that would normally make sense to happen. So we've been talking about how we don't know what's going to happen in Final Crisis, and this book did not give us any more information. But we do know that Barry Allen will be returning in Final Crisis. So that's I guess that's something. I still don't really want to read the book, and I'm going to try it for a couple of issues, but. I am this one of those guys who's kind of some things though. Like I'm excited about the Wonder Woman story. I'm I kind of I, I was shocked that I was excited about that because that looks really good. Yeah, I do want to read the villains ones. I also want to read the Spectre story because I'm curious on what's going to happen with him. Yeah, tell me how it is. Um, really quick, I want to talk about X Men Legacy number two ten. Did you pick this up at all? No, I'm I don't read those anymore. Okay, well, X and Legacy was following uh, Xavier, and uh, basically what happens is that Xavier's mind, which after he got shot at uh, Messiah Complex, he was kind of in a state of shock, and Exodus was repairing his mind, but Exodus didn't have the... he took Exodus kind of took all of his memories out, repaired his mind, and then was trying to slowly put his memories back in so he wouldn't destroy his mind. Um, this ended up being a huge fight between Xavier and Exodus. Xavier ends up winning and we're left with the end of this book and Xavier is going to... You're not sure where he's going. He's kind of going to do something. He has a purpose now, but he doesn't have all his memories. So it seems it's I guess it's a little bit of a retcon, um, and I don't know where this is leading into because at this point, no one, the X Men know that he's alive because that was dealt with in Uncanny X Men, or that's it was actually dealt in this issue because Xavier's putting out so much um, power in this fight with Exodus that White Queen actually senses it and she's like, "It's Charles, he's alive somewhere." So I'm like, at least they finally addressed that. So we know that the X-Men thought he was dead. And now Xavier is wandering around. Um, this story has not been very good. <laughs> no, it just it kind of fizzled out. And like for me... like It has promise. I mean... Yeah, you say that with a lot of kind of... Well, it, it does. Like, there's there the, the X Men have been such a roller coaster because like everything starts off so great and like Messiah Complex was good until the very end. Then it was just like nothing happened really. 
Um, at the very end of this book, it looks like they're bringing back in the Hellfire Club with Sebastian Shaw. And I don't know. I mean, this book is called X-Men Legacy, but we still don't know where it's going. We still don't know what Xavier's going to do, if he's going to try to reband and join up the X-Men, or if he's going to get a new team of X-Men together. Like, I, I think it's cool to have a book from Xavier's perspective, but I don't think we need one of the main X-Books to be that. I think that would be a cool miniseries to see, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes, I guess. Okay. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, Green Lantern, number 30, Secret Origin, part 2. That's uh, amazing. The story was awesome. I mean, the, the the roller coaster just keeps on going, and this is going back and showing the, the point where Hal got the ring. And I love that, like, it's explained why Avenster flies with the spaceship as opposed to just using his ring. There's a lot of just common sense things added on, and I like it always really bothered me the nickname that Hal's mechanic always had in the comics because I was like, it just yeah, that doesn't seem correct. That doesn't seem right. And, yeah, it just seems really racist. Yeah, it it did, and like I I don't know, like th- thank you for finally acknowledging that. <laughs> so. Um, that's kind of discussed in here, so that's kind of nice. Um, I want to see um, a limited series about Avan Sir, because Avan Sir's a badass. He is badass in this, but also, I, I love the, the characterization of Carol Ferris. I, I love just everything about this. I do have some, some nitpicks about this, though. Okay. Uh, the first, well, okay, first of all, I'm going to compliment Ivan Reese, because he does a bang-up job, and he actually does a really good job at making Hal Jordan look young. Yeah, because true. I was like, okay, you know, this is this is going back. Like, this is not the confident Hal that we know now. This is Hal. This is Hal circa the age of Kyle when Kyle got his ring. So it's like, uh, you know, you have to imagine he's a lot younger and less experienced and brash, and he he physically looks that way. So I really enjoyed that. That being said, the colorist of this book was irritating, and this is Randy Mayer. And I'm sorry, this is a, this is a total nitpick, but. Green Lantern, his boots are green. They are not white. And that was throughout the whole book. His his boots were white. And I was like, that is not... Like, color the damn costume right. Like, you know, Batman's boots... But he does, didn't he have a mod- so, modified costume, though? The only modifications he had on his costume were later... The mask like, the and green, the symbol. The mask and the symbol. And the, the shoulders came down a little bit farther in the later years. The green on the shoulders. But the I boots, didn't notice. I thought his boots were always white. No, the boots have always been green, and so that irritated me. Um, the only other listen part... to the tone of your voice, Eric. Calm down. I, I know, and I, I don't know why. Because usually, usually I can roll with stuff like that. <laughs> the only other thing the boots are green. Uh, well, you know, if you're going to take the time to draw the costume, these are iconic costumes. It's not like no one has ever. Apparently, I'm wrong because you never knew. But Jeez. you know, I mean, if you're going to draw an iconic costume, it's like. Get the, just draw the costume right. Randy um, Mayer, look out. Eric is not happy with you. I got your number. <laughs> the only other thing was, okay, so he goes back down, and all of a sudden the the mask comes on to conceal his identity. And this is the Clark Kent thing where... Right, right. It's not like he came down in front of a bunch of strangers, but this is like Carol Ferris and, <laughs> and his boss. And it's like, there, like, if I showed up on your doorstep and I was wearing just a little domino mask, you probably still know it's me. Right. So, 
Uh, you know what I really liked this about is... this issue, though? Yeah. I love the fact that the whole time you're not sure exactly how Avancer is going to die, and you see that he's so afraid of this Blackest Night and the prophecy that it prevents his use of his ring. And I thought that was such a good dynamic. It's like you saw it from this um, his prisoner's eyes. Because his prisoner's just heckling him, just like in his ear. And you're just like, dude, shut up. And the prisoner's like, you didn't die because you failed, or your ring failed you. You died because you failed this ring. And I was like, oh, that's that's deep and that's good. Yeah, no, that was good. That line about, you know, the ring didn't fail you, you failed it. It was good to see John's, you know, putting that back into continuity. And... Yeah, no, the the, the storyline, I have no, no real problems with the storyline. The storyline's been fantastic. This is so much better than Emerald Dawn, which was the, the origin story in the 80s that they did for Hell Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This is way, way better than that. Because that had, that had it where Hell Jordan was kind of a drunk and mm-hmm. he got, you know, DUI. And, uh, it, it, was, it was awful. It basically, it was back when they were trying to give every hero play feet. Um, so this, it's really nice to see this. Ivan, yeah, Ivan Reese's art, awesome, like I said. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I got nitpicky and fanboyish there, but that was just something like... It, it happens it's to just, the best of us. Every, well, it was just every time like I turned the page, it, it stuck out at me. And it, it, every time I looked at it, it tore me out of it. So I was just like, ah, you know, I hate to, I hate to do that, but it's just like... And well, it might yeah, I mean, for everybody, but it was just something that kept on hitting me across the face. Well, it's cool, though, because you dealt with it right. Like, it didn't ruin the book for you, but, like, you addressed it, and that's... Yeah, I mean, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of um, Teen Titans Year One, number four? Uh, I like it. Because you know? this is the first story that kind of starts on something different, if I, if I remember correctly. The last issue kind of dealt with what happened to the adult superheroes and why they were being possessed. Right. And the Teen Titans rescued their mentors. They kind of figured out how to deal with it, and basically they, they rescued their mentors. So this is the first issue that just deals with them kind of being, being them, kind of being normal. And uh, what we see is we get little vignettes of, like, Wally at home, which I really enjoyed. Uh, we we find out that the Teen Titans are being interviewed on a TV show, kind of like a TRL type of show, and it was really funny that we get little moments of like uh, Donna Troy just being in love with the the band that's on stage, because I mean she does seem like a total like just you know like a thirteen year old girl just very in love with pop idols. Uh, what's the Aqua Aqualad? I love that he's so nervous like he throws up. Yeah, that was awesome because that was like. When I, okay, when I was a kid, first days of school were torture for me. I would always throw up and get nervous. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that, that rang a little home. And it was, uh, it was it was weird to see just Alfred show up on patrol with, with Robin, like, just kind of, like, sneak up on him. But I, I understand for the story issue and, and everything like that. Um, it was okay. It wasn't, it was by no means a, a great comic book. Uh, I think this is definitely... This slowed down the pace of the series so far, but at the same time, it was enjoyable, and it introduced the idea that Kid Flash is jealous of Robin, mm-hmm. and the fact that Kid Flash has trouble running the team on his own without Robin there, 
how everyone kind of seems to to gleam onto Robin as as the default leader and the one who's ever everybody's interested in. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic to bring up because that's not one that I've seen explored with these particular characters before. And it makes yeah. sense. Like it totally makes sense. Like if if you're like the the friend of the popular guy in school, it's hard being second fiddle all the time. So. Right. Yeah, I thought it was good. I don't like. Um, I'm starting to get really annoyed with Donna's character because we're not. See- we haven't seen like any depth from that character at all. And I'm surprised because a woman's writing this book, but well, she's like. To- I'm, and I'm sure it's gonna happen, but like I'm getting to, and I'm surprised, but like I'm getting to the point where like I don't want to see the most stereotypical like teenage girl behavior anymore. I want to see that Donna Troy is a little bit more than that. <laughs> But... Well, yeah, and the th- well, the thing is, this was this was her as a teenage girl. But uh, the next issue is the Don Troy issue. Yeah, so well, I think it should be interesting. We'll probably get. I, I don't know. It just this doesn't. I I love the story. I just don't think that this seems like a year one story because it's like it's it's weird reading. My first year one story is reading Green Arrow year year one, and then going to this, and it's like two completely different things. You know? Yeah. Well, this seems for Greenland or. Sorry, where Green Arrow is a very tightly focused, compressed story, this seems spread out, like, just all, kind of all over the board. It doesn't seem as tight. And again, Robin is watching video on an iPod. Took me out of the story. Well, it's, yeah, that's just going to be half one of those things. It was it was better than the regular Titans book, which, it, that's just killing me. Like, I, I don't want to drop it, but at the same time, it's just like, I've got to start cutting out the weak stuff. And So I, who's going to be... Who's going to be the Flash in JLA? Barry? Is Wally just going to be in the Titans? I think, and I don't think they'll do it. Well, I don't think Wally's going to be around at all anymore. I think he'll retire. You mean they're not going to kill Wally, they just brought him back with kids. No, they're not going to kill him. I think he's just going to retire and quietly go off into the sunset. I think um, having Barry and the JSA would be cool. I think that'd be cool too, but... Jay's in the Jay's. That's not going to change it. Yeah, I don't think it would ever happen, but like that's like I see Barry having more in common with Alan Scott and Jay Garrick than. Which is so weird because Barry is one of the characters that's like Superman, Batman, but I still just have. I can't associate Barry in the modern age. He'll always be a Silver Age character to me. Yeah. And well, not always, but. Well, that's kind of the thing is, he was killed off at the dawn of the, the current age, so. Um, Barry will be in the J- JLA. I, I don't know. Um, I think Wally's going to retire. I think Barry's going to take his place. Um, and I think I'm going to drop Titans soon. I just, I can't take it. <laughs> so. it might, it just, give us some time, give us some time. I, I'm trying. And I just, it, it's focusing on the characters. thing is, I don't like half the Titans on that team. So I'm just you like... You like on the team? I don't like the, the this, Devil. You love, that's like your favorite Titan team. I like Team the Teen Titans Year One is my favorite Titan team, not the not the regular book. Who don't you like in the regular book? Starfire. Starfire's not on the Titans. Yeah, she, oh, you're talking about the Teen Titans. I thought you were talking about the new Titan book. Oh no no no, Teen Titans. Teen Titans. Okay. No. Now you're starting to make sense. No, the the Titans book. I'm I'm all for still. I'm that's that's my favorite team. So. Okay, that's what I thought. So yeah, those those were my books for the week. All right. Well, like we said last week, um, summer movie madness started this this past week and started off with a little movie called Iron Man. Um, came out 
And Eric, you go first. You saw Iron Man. Uh, uh, where did you see it? I saw it uh, Saturday night at the uh, Cinerama in Seattle, which is a, a large digital theater. It's very kind of uh, ornate on the inside. It's, it's a beautiful theater. And uh-huh. I also had a very, very good audience with me. Like, I had the audience that cheered for every single preview. They cheered for the Marvel logo. They cheered at certain points within the movie. And they, you know, most of the audience stayed after the credits and saw the extra scene and just went nuts yeah. at that. And, and it was great because I got that wellspring of just of good feeling in that theater. It was, it was excellent. I loved the movie. I thought it was probably one of the besides Spider-Man 2 I think for me is the pinnacle of Marvel movies but I think I this was uh, just like a step below it if, if Spider-Man was a, if Spider-Man 2 was an A plus I think this was a solid A yeah I, I agree and the funny thing is that this movie is getting these kind of reviews everywhere I mean they just announced today um, that Iron Man 2 is going to be coming out April 30th 2010 yeah they didn't waste any time um, but this was, this was amazing. This was a really, because I wasn't really, I didn't know what to expect, because this was the first movie that Marvel was going to be producing on its own. They are going to have all the decision making, and I thought that was either going to be a really good thing or a really bad thing. And... Turned out the, it was really good. What's that? So it turned out it was really good. Turned out it was really good, and I think the best thing about this movie is that... A lot of people don't know who Iron Man is, so I think a lot of people didn't come in with all these misconceptions. And I think the the biggest strength in this movie is that unlike Peter Parker and the X-Men and even, even Batman, there aren't a lot of really supporting characters in Tony Stark's uh, life and in the book. So really, this movie was a, the Tony Stark story. Like, there was some supporting characters like thrown in here and there, but this was, like, Tony Stark from beginning to end. And Robert Downey Jr. was Tony Stark. Like, I've never seen a trans... I've never felt like that. Like, watching a movie, like, saying, that is Tony Stark. You know, looking at Spider-Man, I'm like, that's Tobey Maguire playing Peter Parker. Yeah. But looking at Iron Man, I was like, that's Tony Stark. That's well, just The funny it. thing is, like, and I was going to get to this, is, like, that's that's just Robert Downey Jr. being Robert Downey Jr. That's true. It's, it, but the thing is, like, and this is the genius of the casting, and this is... Uh, the only way I can compare it is when Jack Nicholson did the Joker, and people were like, uh-huh. well, he's wonderful. Well, yeah, but that was just Jack Nicholson being goofy Jack Nicholson. But it works because Jack Nicholson is that character. Like, it, it right. just worked. And this is the same way where, you know, Ghost Rider was just crazy Nick Cage being crazy Nick Cage, <laughs> but that's not really Ghost Rider. This is, I mean, this it's Robert Downey Jr. You know, if you watch him in other movies, you, you pick up on the nuances of just the rhythm of his dialogue and his comedic timing with when he delivers his lines. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, that worked so well because he delivered all those beats just perfectly. And, like, it, my, my girlfriend went with me, and she didn't know a thing about Iron Man, and she loved this movie. She yeah. And she walked, like, she just kept saying, it was so funny. It was just so funny and so enjoyable. And another aspect is, um, you know, unlike Batman, we compare, Dave and I compare Tony Stark to Bruce Wayne a lot, but unlike Batman, this is a character who genuinely enjoys doing what he does. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, he loves he, the fact He enjoys that his Iron life, Man. and that he's rich, and that he can do all these things. 
Yeah, I mean, there was one point, and there, there's going to be a lot of spoilers, we're going to talk about a secret scene, but there's a point at the end of the movie where they're trying to prep him because all the stuff about Iron Man got loose, and they're like, here's what you say, don't tell him you're Iron Man, just here's your alibi, we had him all set up, and he gets out there and he kind of looks at the cards, and he's like, I'm Iron Man. And I'm just like, that, that was, that's exactly what Tony Stark would do. Like, he loves it. He loves the attention. He loves that life. And yeah. I was blown away. Another thing that was awesome about it, it was, it balanced a lot of stuff. Like, I went and saw it with four other people. None of them read comics. And they, mm-hmm. they all really enjoyed the movie. But there was also so many little things that, like, while they were sitting there, I'm like, oh, because they threw in so many little things for comic book readers. And, like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents with the acronym. Like, right. as soon as I came up, I was like, Oh, oh, that's pretty good. And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, this movie had S.H.I.E.L.D. agents and it was just awesome. Like, I don't want a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie now. But, like, I love that they are... Marvel is taking their universe and now that they have control over the, all the movies, they're incorporating it. Like, we know Tony Stark's going to make a cameo in the new Hulk, The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, we're going to have our own little movie continuity. And there's going to be a continuity, which could be troublesome. But at the same yes, time, it could. before it happens, the promise is there. And so... What I'm leading to is the the final scene of the movie after the credits was uh, Samuel Jackson showing up as Nick Fury and wanting to recruit Tony Stark. He wants to talk about the Avengers Initiative with Tony Stark. And just mm-hmm. that they didn't call it the Avengers, they called it the Avengers Initiative. I was like, e- right. even more, I was just like, oh, giggle, giggle. And uh, That, that, like the, that was the, like such a, again, a payoff for fans. It was. And like the, the robot was Jarvis. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. And like... like it, and... I, I feel like there's some things that we talk about, like, because we're fanboys and, like, we feel entitled to certain things, and I felt like, I don't know, like, I just felt like this movie actually gave that stuff, because this movie appealed to the massive audience, just like Eric said, but it threw in these little things that no one would ever, like, I heard the initiative and I just started freaking out. Yeah, it was... And, like, my girlfriend knew what that was, she's like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, they, you know? they, they did a lot of winks to the audience. I, and the thing is, they made the movie enjoyable. They they didn't try and make it too cheesy. I mean, there was some. You know, it's a comic mm-hmm. movie, but they they threw in some some kind of modern commentary about accountability in wartime situations and things like that, which was interesting. Right. But what they did is they just made a a summer popcorn movie that you know people could hopefully take their families to and enjoy. Um, the the only thing I have to pick against this movie is. And I know Iron Man doesn't have a, a huge, superb cast of villains. Like, you know, he, he's not one of those where you, you think Iron Man, you think he has a certain, a, a right. specific villain. Um, to that effect, I thought the Iron Monger was a, a good concept. And, like, there was moments when the Iron Monger was running around, destroying, like, fighting the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that, like, it was genuinely kind of scary with how big and fast and menacing it was. But at the uh-huh. same time, it was just like, I didn't feel like he was really any threat because it's like okay, the the dude's been in like what one or two Iron Man stories over the years. Like he's he's not gonna win, and so like I felt that, and also like I felt just the the character of the villain was a little thin. There's no there's not a whole lot of psychological element. It was just like it's a. I loved Obadiah Stane. I thought Jeff Bridges was there, amazing. There just wasn't. He wasn't. He's no Harvey Dent. There was no like. He's just a businessman. Well, you can't you can't compare him to Harry Dent. Well, no, I think I, it was more of a he was more of a Tony Stark villain than an Iron Man villain, though. Yeah, and and 
And I think I that's, like how they made yeah, him, that's... They made him kind of like one of the people who helped raise Tony. And the weird thing is, you know, seeing Jeff Bridges, like, Jeff Bridges always plays... I know. Roles, and it was weird to see him in, as a villain, because, like, there's, there's scenes in the movie, especially in the first half, when he's really nice, and you're just like, well, you know, he's, he's like a kindly, you know, father figure, you know, how can, <laughs> how can he be bad? But, you know, he kind of takes the turn, but it just seems kind of hammed up and out of character. And, and I'm not well, saying that because of the actor, I'm just saying that because they don't allow, I think, a certain amount of depth for, for that character. Okay, well, the the Mandarin was in the movie. The Mandarin is Tony Stark's arch-enemy, and, and he was, like, the lead terrorist guy. Was that the Mandarin? The Mandarin? Uh, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure, because he talks about... Um, because they kind of show that he's, like, the leader. Mm-hmm. They allude to that a lot, and they kind of talk about... He talks about Genghis Khan, and I'm pretty sure the Mandarin is, like, a descendant of Genghis Khan. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a point where he's stroking his ring, and the whole thing about the Mandarin is he has ten rings of power... And their terrorist cell organization was called the Ten Rings. Okay, so yeah. That was... So all that was uh, alluding to the Mandarin, which I thought was cool. I mean, I think that was kind of my question going into the Iron Man, because like most people aren't going to know who Iron Man is, but no one's going to know who any of Iron Man's villains are. So I'm like, so what are you going to do with that? And I can no, definitely see where you're coming from. It made sense, the, the direction they took it in. It totally did. Yeah. Um, it had the best the Stan Lee cameo yet. <laughs> I don't, Stan I don't, Lee I don't. dressed up as uh, Hugh Hefner. I thought that was Hugh great. Hefner. I thought it was classic. Uh, I, I still like the Spider-Man 3 Stan Lee cameo. Or, hell, I like the Moritz Stan Lee cameo. That's the best one. <laughs> Brody, I'd give it all up for just one more day. That's... <laughs> I don't want to hear the words "one more day." Those are banned. That's, those words are banned on this podcast. He seems to have a preoccupation with superhero genitalia. I mean, that, that was that's classic Stan Lee right there. I think if I had one nitpick about the, the movie, it would be I wasn't a huge fan of Gwyneth Paltrow. I thought I thought what they did with Pepper and Tony was great, especially with the fact that they didn't put them together at the end. Yes. I thought that was perfect. I was just going to say that, because I'm glad he did not end up with the girl at the end. Yeah, that was, I thought that was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I just never... I'm not sure if I didn't, like... I felt like maybe there wasn't chemistry between them, or I just didn't find her believable. I don't know. I just... There was something... There's sometimes you're watching a movie, and you're completely immersed in the, the movie, and you know exactly what's going on, and blah, blah, blah. But when Gwyneth Paltrow was on screen, I was like, "That's Gwyneth Paltrow acting." You know, it just—I don't. It just—I just don't believe it. I. The thing is, Gwyneth Paltrow is not. Well, a lot of the people in this movie are not character actors. But like, when I see Gwyneth Paltrow on screen, I think I always think like what you said about Tobey Maguire is like that's Gwyneth Paltrow playing a part. Uh-huh. Um, I think uh, Jim Rhodes was very well done. Yep. And I loved the fact that they alluded to him eventually putting on the armor. Right, that was good. But, uh, Very good. Yeah, no, I I loved his his role as as kind of Tony's buddy and one of those people that has to kind of deal with the the side consequences of of Tony's actions. I I, okay. I enjoyed Clean that. Up quite his a mess. Bit. Um, that was good. Was, I mean, John Favreau did an amazing job. Was, like I was, I didn't know this was like his first big big movie. This was his first action movie. I mean, I think the last movie he directed was like Zathura, but um. Yeah, he give it up to John Favreau. He pulled it out. Yeah, no, it was it was very well done. Um, I don't think it's up there in the pantheon of like 
I think the three best superhero movies are Superman 2, Spider-Man 2, and Batman Begins. And I think it's just like one step below that. Um, but I, I was... I think it's very good. I thought that The Dark Knight was going to dominate this year, and that Iron Man was just going to be like this little, you know, twinkle in the water. But it's it's holding its own. And it I'm, is. I'm, it's, it's good to see. Like, it's it's just, I mean, again, we kind of talked about this and I've expressed it before. Like, as a comic book person, I take a certain pride in that. Like, kind of like you said, like, I went to this movie with some, some guys who aren't comic book fans. And I made them stay until the very end. And they liked the scene with Nick Fury. And as soon as we got out of the, the theater, they're asking me all these questions about, like, who's Iron Man's villain, blah, 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 and who's Nick Fury, what is S.H.I.E.L.D.? And, like, I, I have a sense of pride, and, like, I'm just like, okay, well, here, here's this information, I can suggest some books for you, you should try it out. You know, it's just really cool to have that going on. Well, also, it's really kind of fun and interesting was, like, I did, I, I did not go on opening night, I went a couple days later, um, so... I wouldn't think that this was the huge comic book audience, but, like, this was, you know, just an average, like, summer movie blockbuster audience. But, like, we had trailers for Indiana Jones, we had trailers for The Hulk, we had trailers for Batman. All of those got huge applauses, and then people just went nuts for Iron Man. And the thing is, like, you know, how, you know, there's there's always, there, as much as I hate it, there's a stigma of comic book readers. But at the same time, like, these things are getting into pop culture, and people are just eating them up. I mean, superhero mm-hmm. movies are huge movies, and not just superhero, but, like, there's other comic book movies out there, too, that are doing very, very well. And so it's very nice to see those being so well-received in pop culture media and getting out to more people through, through different yeah. types of media. Um, By the way, um, I, went, I live in a smaller town, college town, uh, I went on Thursday night, the night before, sneak preview, 8.30. Um, there was maybe like 15 people there. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's a brand new theater. It's really nice. And I'm just like, oh. I, you know, because one of my things is that I love waiting in line. Eric and I, we, we, that's part of the experience, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was just like so sad. I was like, <laughs> you know, there's no one in the theater. It's all easy. You just walk right in. This is just, it was depressing. Yeah, see, I went. I went two days later after two days after the opening, and uh, I still had to wait in line for a little while to get in. And, and oh, this boy. this is a downtown theater, and I live two blocks away from it. And what irritated me the most was because I didn't go on opening night, but at the same time, all the parking in my neighborhood was taken up. <laughs> <laughs> so I got home from work, and I'm circling blocks for like, you know, ten minutes looking for a parking spot, crossing <laughs> like an old man, but. Um, I'm very happy that the movie's doing that well, and what I was very, very happy about was the, what we posted as a bootleg on our site last week, and now we have the official version, is the new Dark Knight trailer. Uh, Again, just like, with every trailer that, and every time we get closer to this movie, like, I am just so enthralled, like, I I, I don't want to build it up in my head so much, but this is going to be like my Citizen Kane. This it is, really is. This is going to be I, s- huge. I can't see this movie being anything short than amazing. Yeah, and the commentary, like, we finally got Harvey Dent in the trailer. And yeah, the whole this thing was pretty about, much a Harvey Dent trailer. 
Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It looked like we got a glimpse of the accent that's going to turn him into Harvey. Well, you like, actually saw a Two-Face at the very end. There's a point where you see it for a second. He's holding a gun to his head, well, and you can see you, the other side of his face is scarred. You have to look at it, because it's, it's shown from the good side. and You know, you just uh-huh. see a little bit of the scarring around the edges, and I'm like, just turn your head! I want to see what you look like! So I'm excited, but yeah, you, you got had a little glimpse of that, but um, at the same time, you know, just the commentary, you know, you, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself as the villain. Um, yeah, like, I've, I've said it before, like, ever since I saw Thank You for Smoking, Aaron Eckhart's just a, a fantastic actor, so, and I, again, I don't want to fall into the hype machine, but... Oh, uh, no, go ahead and fall into it. This, this movie is all, this is like locked. Batman Begins was such a success in the fact that it's the same people bringing that to this, this time around. Plus, we've seen Heath Ledger and we know like how much he invested into that role. Um, same thing with Aaron Eckhart. I just, I just, there was a little interview with Aaron Eckhart and he was talking about Two-Face. And he's, first of all, he said that he was surprised by how how much he had to do in the movie. So there, there's one thing that's going to be good for us. Like, he's saying that a lot of people are going to be surprised about, like, Harvey Dent's involvement in the movie. And the second thing he's talking about is that when they were talking about the design for Two-Face, they wanted to really make it uncomfortable for to, for people to look at him. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, people are really going to be shocked when they see it for the first time. And like that, just like I can't wait. I'm. This is gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited. Christian Bale, you know the one line where he's talking like, you know, now I have to understand what I, I have to do to deal with men like this. When he's talking about the Joker, and I was just like, this is, this is like an epic comic book movie. I mean, this is huge. It does. It feels more than just a, for me at least. It feels like it's more than just a movie. Like there's, it feels like there's some really deep stuff going on in this in that's going to be happening in this film mm-hmm. um the the opening dialogue with the with the joker was even fantastic i just love the way he in, inflected his voice yeah and the whole thing of you know uh, a year ago these cops and lawyers wouldn't touch you you know what what happened you know and you see what we saw in the teaser trailer was that the mob comes you know enlists the joker to deal with the batman which is something that's very it happened in long halloween it didn't happen with the joker but the mob started was initially very offset by what they called freaks coming into the city with the appearance of Batman, but then they started hiring out the freaks to work, you know, to deal with with that problem. So it's it, I, I I love how much that this move, this film appears to be taking from the source material. It seems to be just such a faithful recreation that I'm very very pleased with what I've seen so far. So. It is a very good time to be a comic book fan. It is. I'm very excited. And it's a very good time to be a fan of movies in general. Yeah. Well, it's this is. Uh, it's been a while since I think we've had so many huge tentpole movies in one summer. Like it just seems like there's so much going on. So. And they've actually been good. Like some of them. I mean, the last time was like Spider-Man Three, Pirates Three. So there were some pretty dis- big disappointments that year. But like. I don't know. I mean, like you said, I mean, I I don't know. Some people are unhappy with the whole trailer. I think it looks somewhat promising. Uh, the new Indiana Jones trailer looks really, really good. Made me feel like a kid again. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for the summer. Yeah, it's um, me too. Me too. So uh, if you want to 
uh, write us and tell us what you think of Iron Man or the books that came out last week, you can contact us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com, and that's our email address where you can uh, write us questions about the show. Uh, we always love to hear from you, so if you have questions, we will uh, read them on the show and answer them. Um, we try and get back to you as soon as possible, so uh, we we do appreciate everyone who's been writing in lately. We we really appreciate all, all the listenership. Um, you can also go to our website at www.fanboystrikeback.com, and that's where we post our written uh, Book of the Week reviews each week, along with we posted uh, the Dark Knight trailer, the Hulk trailer, um, news about Smallville next year, uh, the link to the new Star Wars trailer. Uh, that's up there, so there's a lot of stuff going on that looks very good. So we've got all that on our site, and also a link to our forums page where we have several topics up to discuss, and you can start a topic there if you want, and, and we'll talk about it with you. Uh, so with all that, you can uh, find us in several different places, uh, mainly iTunes. Yep, iTunes, Podcast Alley, uh, any podcatcher out there. If you like the show, please leave us a review. Uh, tell your friends, word of mouth, spread the show. That would be great. Uh, and then, like Eric said, you come by um, the website, check out our reviews, um, head over to the forum. You can see what we think about stuff. You can uh, start some of the stuff on your own. We just had a guy, Rich, start some stuff and uh, throw out some books that Eric and I aren't really reading that we're going to check out, which is exactly what we want. You know, We want to know what you guys think about things, and we want to know things that we might be missing. And so, Yeah, there was a link to an indie book uh, list. Yeah, and he actually had a pretty cool indie website. Yeah, no, that was that was fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, sending that to us. So, um, yeah, we, we again appreciate all the all the support and all the feedback we've been getting from you guys. It's it really means a lot to us. Mm-hmm, definitely. All right. Well, I guess that does it for this week. Um, I just got done with the midterm, so I'm going to go see Iron Man again. <laughs> all right. I got to go to work tomorrow. So, right, well, have fun with that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, oh, also we might be seeing you this week, hopefully at the uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Yep, uh, so it's gonna be fun. Be there this Saturday, so uh, hope to see you there. And uh, if not, we'll talk to you next week.